The FAI held their football pathways consultation in the Spa Hotel on Monday night. Cooperation is key and the FAI might find they're not the biggest problem. The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where Daily Mount gets the planning permission we've all been waiting for. A football pathway consultation was held by the FAI, as I said, last night. And the league is back and we're all delighted about that. Uh, everyone can win the league at this stage, Nathan. Uh, maybe not Pats though. My name is Roy Shanahan and Nathan Doyle joins me from the bigkickoff.com. We'll come back to the league, Nathan, but... Quickly, we'll start on the news that's coming out of Fibra. It's fingers crossed that we'll see the builders enter Daily Mount in the very near future. Yeah, what are we looking at here, Roy? Nine years in the making. <laughs> but it's, uh, this substantial news be coming in. I think we've covered four or nine of those years. Yeah. I'd say in, in this, on this show that we've both been very lucky enough to do, Roy, um, certain things pop up all the time. There are recurring teams and stadiums. And especially State of Me Development is one of those for the big kickoff League of Ireland show. But Daily Mount Park in particular is one that we seem to be touching on all the time. But thankfully, it's been now confirmed by the club that Dublin City Council have approved the Part A planning application for the full redevelopment of Daily Mount Park. So we just was quickly running through the, the, the press release by the club and Look, we'll just talk about some of the details that are, that are coming out and now it's great to have concrete plans of what's going to happen to Daily Mount. So what we'll see is a reorientation of the pitch and the installation of a new grass surface, which is brilliant. They're not going down the artificial route. We're going to see grass in Daily Mount Park. Uh, there'll be things like offices, merchandise stands and a bar. Um, the, the match day facilities for the officials and the teams will be upgraded and there'll also be a public plaza and community facility. Uh, going into the area around Daily Mount Park. In terms of capacity, we're just looking just over the 8,000 mark with the east and the west uh, side of the ground getting a stance uh, put into place. They about hold uh, 6,240. And then the north and the south areas of Daily Mount Park will be standing terraces, which should hold uh, 1,794. And to round this all up, Roy, we're looking at a cost of forty million euro and a completion by twenty twenty seven. Obviously, all that stuff is subject to funding. But as we, as you just mentioned, very rightly so, it's something that's relief, I suppose, to not only those involved in the club but to the the fans themselves that have been ungodly patient with with this project that finally seems to be getting off the ground and finally seems to have an end date in sight. Yeah, well, we, as you said rightly, we probably had about, made 10 shows out of this daily amount. Oh, uh, easily, easily. <laughs> there's been an update. Without, and that's putting in the, the Tolka Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well. There's been so many updates and changes and, and what have you. We're hoping now that this is the, the final straight and uh, we can see the finish line on this one. Obviously, 8,000, we feel that a club like Bowles should be hitting the 10,000 because I still think they're going to sell out this, which is great that they will. I mean, they're selling out the, the, the stadium at the moment, which is just, what is a shy of 4,000, three and a half, whatever it is. Um, so they're, they're definitely going to sell out 
this 8000 stadium which will make for a great atmosphere so let's look at the positives on it it'll be a great atmosphere it'll look well it's what the league needs we're calling for facilities and it's where the club are at the moment and the plans that we had beforehand while they looked super impressive it's just financially out of their reach now so that's fair enough let's hope this gets over the line because we don't want this to fade away like all the other plans so that's why we need those builders getting in as quick as possible we need that funding getting in as quick as possible to allow that to happen and I think that anyone who's associated with Bose or the League of Ireland but especially Bose they should be on top of councillors and every single person they can get on top of and put pressure on to get this done because they're looking at 2027 I believe Nathan is the the completion date so let's hope something doesn't stall this because we really don't need that. Um, but it's great news, really great news. And I I, yeah. I, I really look forward to being able to sit in that stadium and enjoy a League of Ireland game the same way as we said about Tala. You can go over there and you can sit in a, st- a stadium there that's fit for purpose. And this is what we want to see going around the league. So uh, two down, <laughs> I suppose. Two down and we've came to the go, don't we? Because yeah. who, who, have we geez, who have we talked about in terms of redevelopment? As I said, Bowles with the club at Dundalk, St. Pat's, St. Hearts, Ligo, Drotta, Shelbourne, and that's just who's coming to mind straight away. So, yeah, uh, two down and plenty to go. But, and do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm sort of glad you, you brought up Sean McRobbins there just to pivot. Just a, li- just a little second. I was obviously up there myself on Friday night. Um, I wish I wasn't, but... <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> Your team wasn't. Well, look, what, 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 no, he certainly <laughs> wasn't, but he certainly wasn't. Um, but we're looking at Tallis Stadium or looking at Daily both grounds that have gone through major major projects and both are being helped out greatly with the council. I think it's possible is that's the way to go, really, isn't it, Roy? Like, if it is possible to, to, to pay rent to the local council and get them involved, because over the course of the history of League of Ireland, no club, unfortunately, has achieved a major stadium redevelopment on their own. No. You, you do need the help of that government body. And come here, this, this is another thing we constantly bandage drum about, that we just don't get help in this league no. from, from government bodies or from the FEI. And we don't, want to be, we, we don't want to be going over that because we've we said that plenty of time. But that, that's something, we, we, that's something that's always um, in the cycles of, uh, of League of Ireland fandom. And again, look, yeah, we, we talk about European money. It's great when you get that Europa League money, Europa Conference League money, but that does dwindle too when you're looking at expenses, when you're looking at operational costs, and you're looking at even things like European bonuses. Uh, it's just unfortunately that won't cover the cost of these major redevelopment plans. So it does seem to be, if it is possible to do it, get your local accountants involved because for me, it's no coincidence that both Halley Stadium and Daly and Park are now getting moved on under major projects because of that link that they have. With yeah. the and there's stadiums all around the country that need to be done up and you look at oh, of course. how yeah. much and we said this many times before I've said this for years now Nathan it's up to the people in Ireland who are football true and true who support your local sides who support your League of Ireland sides to put pressure on the government officials the councillors the PDs uh, everyone and Let's get that extra funding out of them. The GAA, they, they get three and four times more funding each year nearly than, foo- or than our football and so does the rugby. 
and we've settled for it and we've allowed it to happen. So that has to change. That has to change. And it's it's up to us. And this is not anything new. This is not anything no. that we haven't discussed before, but it's, it's definitely something we need. Um, I, I thought there was a, an interesting thing because you've seen Bohemians brought out a new jersey, Nathan, with... Uh, Tin Lizzie, Tin Lizzie on the <laughs> yeah. on the front of it. I, I seen a post there uh, earlier on, and uh, well, uh, there's a couple of expletives in it. Uh, puke, puke, puke jersey. Only wankers will buy it. Novelty jerseys for a novelty club. Uh, the fuck have Tin Lizzie got to do with bows? Nothing, not a fucking thing apart from a gig in the seventies. Goes on to say, using a colour girl to promote its racial stereotyping, as Phil Linnett himself was of mixed race. And it goes on and on and on and on. Stop ruining our club, it says. So this is this is obviously a, a bow supporter who's unhappy about the the way that they're going about their business. Daniel Lambert was on very swiftly and put a, a, a post up, a reply up to someone else who had a more civilised communication on the matter. And uh, Daniel let everyone know and remind them that 40% of the club's revenue over the last year or two has been from merchandise. So uh, what's your thoughts on that one? Well, first of all, it's a cracking jersey. I don't get here support. The jersey is, is brilliant, but it's not new. And I think Bowles and Fairness too, and I'm very quick to come on here and, and, and take shots at Dan Lambert and I do think some of his decision making and his priorities can be a bit skewed at times um, with what they're doing with, with Bohemians. But in terms of mirrors and dyes in the marketing, they're absolutely brilliant at it, aren't they? Yeah. Like I've seen it with the Tin Lizzie jersey, we've seen it, and you could say the same about Bob Marley with the Bob Marley jersey uh, that, that, that came out. And he played, with what he had to do with Daily Mount, played one gig um, in Daily Mount Park years ago. So it, it's something that they are really, really talented at doing. And again, it's these little stories that more of a mainstream media pick up on, aren't they? Like, I, I didn't see any stories about any of the jerseys being released across the league, across the off-season. No. Well, but we did. The one that has... Who did we see? Limerick. Three. Limerick, yeah, but that was me and you. We think talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And come here, I'll, I'll do it around home as well, but um, I wouldn't put us up with the mainstream, lads. Just, just yet. I wouldn't have us in the same conversation as RTE. But um, in fairness, that, that's all I've seen over the past day or so is the... Tin Lizzie jersey going about it, and yep, yeah, I am a big fan of it. And it is one thing that will credit um, Bohemians with. They always are on the mark, whether that be um, collaboration jerseys, whether that be uh, merchandise uh, supporting LB, uh, LBGT uh, plus community, whether they be supporting refugees. So it, it's something that they really, really are good at, and it's something that works for them, and it's something that, as you said, it's a big money maker for them. So merchandise is such a massive source of revenue for bowls and they do it right. They do it properly. Yeah, well, that's it. Like, I mean, it is, it is about making money and you have to be able to support your club. And I would love to see some people, for example, that person there who, who wrote that comment, you would love to see these people in a club 
and actually see what happens and how to, they have to go about their business. And I'm sure they'll change their tune very, very quickly. As you said, the jersey is actually a nice jersey. I would go with the same thing of, yeah, it, it, is it getting a bit samey, kind of thrown up? Like Bob Marley was there, that was fresh. Now it's Tin Liz. Who's it going to be next? Pele was there. Yeah, does, yeah, Pele yeah. Get, yeah. does Pele get a, a jersey? You yeah. know, it's, it's you know, uh, I can understand that little element of it. You might be wearing the tin a bit. But if the jersey's good, the j- people like it and they want to buy it, why not have it there, you know? So, um, listen, fair play to Bowes uh, and fair play to D- Daniel Lambert. He's, I think he's doing a great job at Bowes. I think he's doing a brilliant job at, look where the stadium is going. There's not too many other places around that are, are, are getting to that stage. Hopefully, that last step is going to be pushed on for them and we, we'll see uh, another, as we said, a stadium that's going to uh, shine a light on the League of Ireland. Okay. Mark Hannum hosted the FAI Football Pathways Consultation in the Spa Hotel in Lucan on Monday night. Nathan, I was there for the most part of it. Uh, it was informative, but there was not a lot of definites. It's a 12-year plan, and this is still in the, de- the building process, hence it's a consultation night. We'll start with the League of Ireland and the pyramid system, Nathan. They gave us a, a, a pyramid image up on the screen and they were talked about within the next year and a half or so to want to have this toured and it could be very well next year this toured tier we've had talk about the toured tier you kind of not too sure you were at the start you kind of weren't sure afterwards you can correct me if I'm wrong on that I I like the idea of it. I think it's a good idea. And if they have to fill it with a few second teams to get it up and running, I think that's a good idea too. But they also are looking to bring in a fourth, fifth and sixth tier as well. How that will work, they have obviously your first, second and third tier. Um, you will see a, a no, I, I can't. I slightly remember if it was the third or fourth, but I think it was the. It could have been the third at a certain stage where it would turn into no, actually a fourth that turned into a north and south league, and then it would break down uh, through those areas as well. So you would have a pyramid where let's just say a Park Celtic in I don't know Waterford started at the very bottom league in Waterford. There would be a way for them to get up into the Premier Division all the way from the bottom to go up through their leagues into a, a sixth tier, fourth tier, fifth tier, whatever way and then hit that Premier Division. So what's your thoughts on that, Nathan? Yeah, so I think when, it was, when we were talking about the fourth division, right, and I know my big sticking point was I'd hate to see them just Hack on this third league onto the side of a Premier Division and a fourth division that really isn't in, in the healthiest of states themselves, in particular the fourth division. So I'd hate to say just tack on this this division uh, and fill it up with sides that aren't going to last uh, over a, a course of a year, two, three, whatever it may be. And I think I remember saying I'd hate to see a lot of the clubs, you know, your, your, your CK United or your Mays or your Mayo becoming. Um, just topics for articles saying, oh, man, what happened today is League of Ireland clubs and we're ready now. So that was my issue with it and more so being the drop-off then from that third division to the uh, the divisions around the provinces around the around Ireland. 
for me, it, 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 it is good to see that you're going to have this national pathway. You're breaking it up in terms of north and south. So you're keeping it feasible then for clubs here, aren't you? That are down in the fourth and fifth here. That yeah, and I think when live, you... Live and die by these, these major... Um, they can't be making long haul journeys across the country on a weekly no, basis. So no. that, that's something that does need to be implement, implemented the further down you go. And, I, and I'd even go as far... That, I wouldn't say no to that in third division either. I wouldn't even keep that separate to the fourth. I think what they will have is they'll have that first, second, third. The fourth is probably split into two, north and south. Where you have your fifth and your sixth, it will be like the, again, I think it probably will be regionalised. And I don't think they have, with the with the fifth and sixth, they haven't, it, that's kind of less developed, well less developed they haven't really gone into that but I could only see that being regionalised as well it would be amateur status in those levels you know so you would still have those level. it'd be a bit like you know where you go into the conference over in England I know that's more professional than it was but at one stage it used to be a, a lot more amateur uh, so you would have the first second toward your fourth is kind of maybe part time and, and if you you, the, the truth is is that anyone who's playing in top amateur football are really part-time footballers so if, if anyone thinks different that's not what's happening oh, yeah. you know. to go into fifth and sixth you're probably going down the leagues but it's it, they'll all be amateur football and probably proper amateur football but serious about their football if you know what I mean so you're going to have to if you want to if you want to raise your level and, and get up to that Premier Division, you obviously will have those steps to keep going up, keep going up. And uh, you may have to stay a year or two on the fifth. You may have to stay a year or two on the fourth. You know, um, it, it's a, it could be a building process over, you know, 10, 12 years to try and get anywhere near a Premier Division. And you'll have to have a little bit of backing as well. And you'll have clubs who, who hover around those, you know, fourth, fifth and sixth divisions up and down it, it, that's just the way it will be but there will be a pathway there and I think that's key and it's as easy for Park Celtic to get up to the first division as it would be for Galway United to drop down to the fifth and that's what I want to see I think everyone should be allowed every club should be allowed to be ambitious and to have a chance to go where they want to go because the likes of Wrexham or Salford they wouldn't be anywhere now if they hadn't got that little bit of investment and someone who really saw what the the club wanted and and was willing to help them take that step on and that could happen here now and now that there's a pathway why would anyone put you know their local millionaires or or businessmen or business group want to put money into Park Celtic when there's no pathway to get there but all of a sudden now there's a chance yeah, I, I, I literally just got to say that as well, Roy. It, it opens up the opportunities for real meaningful investment then too, doesn't it? Because yeah. now at the minute, you're looking at the fourth division and in you would probably know the length of senior scene more than, more than Munster and things like that. But you're looking at length of senior sides and the fourth division. Now, I'm not talking about quality here. I, I, I'd argue that there's, there's definitely just abundance of players and even teams in length of senior football that could make that step up to the, to the fourth division and, and do relatively well. But I'm talking about the financial backing of a length of senior club going to the fourth division. That now must seem just like a pipe dream for, for the large majority of those teams mm-hmm. there. So now that you do have that, that natural pathway towards that, and as you said, it might take 10, 15 years, but now it's an achievable goal. And I think that's something 
it's not just for me, but again, I was gauging the reaction online of over the past years or so when we were talking about the tour division, and that's something that's being called for by League of Ireland fans. Is okay, great. Tour division comes into play, and it might give opportunities for reserve teams or university teams. Or but you know what, we might see one or two new teams come into the league, and that's always good too. But can we not restructure the entire pyramid in, in this country? Because now we're just going to have three divisions cast away from the length of senior, months of senior, right? and, and similar leagues of that ilk. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it, is, it is brilliant to see. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward, like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing the official now to come into play. Yeah, and Nathan, it, it, this obviously wasn't just about the League of Ireland. It was about all football at all levels, all ages, which was great to hear because it's not all about the League of Ireland. If we want to have... First of all, people should be enjoying football. End of story. Kids should be enjoying football. You should be enjoying football. I should be 70-year-old men, as they said in there, who are playing walking football, should enjoy football. So that's the number one priority. To get elite players from it, they have to enjoy it. And uh, the more football we play, the better the footballers will get and so on and so on. So that's that's clever thinking. It's smart thinking and it's literally simple thinking, you know, it's not too it's not too hard to figure that one out. One of the things that they were saying was, and I thought it was very interesting, and he said it, Mark Hannum said it a couple of times, was more football, more often, more variety. And I think that's that's something that's interesting because they're trying to get this summer football everyone in summer football and aligned, I suppose, not having a situation where there's some playing from September to May, others that are playing from March to November, and it's not, there's no sort of cohesion between it all. So the more football, more often, more variety, there was a lot of stuff about, you know, people going on summer holidays, you know, you don't have the full squads, um, you know, maybe they should shut it down and all that sort of stuff, uh, school exams and, and what have you. And, and they're coming up with a decent idea. The more variety was interesting because what they were saying was maybe that they would have schoolboy football, maybe even senior football, where they'd have their league season. It started in March, maybe it finished at the start of July or something like that. And then they might have uh, five-a-side leagues, futsal leagues, uh, seven-a-side leagues or something like that. So when people do go away, that your squad still can compete in these tournaments. I thought that was a good idea. So it meant the football was always on. It was always switched on. You were always there, able to play when you wanted to play week after week. So that's something that I thought was a positive. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a different angle, isn't it, Roy? That actually, in fairness to them, you know, it'd be quick to... Just lay off the FBI of having no no decent ideas, no fresh ideas, no uh, ingenuity. So, yeah, I actually do enjoy that. Where you, you can't see the balance. And again, I'd be probably coming from a League of Ireland point of view. But um, yeah, when you're getting down to, to the nitty gritty of the amateur game, and especially when, when younger players, you don't think that there is families that want to go on holiday and they're not going to live and die by uh, by a game in the, in the DDSL or. They might have exams coming up. So, yeah, I, I, I'm the same as you. I'll be in the, in the same boat. That, that's a good, fresh idea. And then it might develop those niche sides of football in this country too. Uh, the, the small sort of games, the walking football for, for any older players that want to get involved. 
I suppose you could even look uh, further abroad, that couldn't you? Where we've talked to Dylan Sherwood on the show in the past with the, the, the cerebral palsy national team, and um, the, the crowd, the, the, the wheelchair national team, the blind association national team, which I had a chance to meet in a couple of years ago. So, yeah, that actually is a good show where you can d- develop these other sides of Irish football that probably aren't really getting the attention that they deserve, um, especially at these big high power meetings that you were at Monday. When it comes around to the September, say, so say they finished in, in the start of July and it comes back around to September, the league then continues on from where it might go. So these are kind of things that they're playing around with, nothing's cemented, but these are the thoughts and this is where these consultation comes in. And, and it's good that they're asking the football clubs, the referees, the leagues, uh, everyone really is to get involved and put their piece in. I thought that was great. Uh, one of the things that I've always said and I know I think it was Brian O'Sullivan said it as well on the show you see an awful lot of courts over in America basketball courts and they're in every little state estate or area and these are courts that people can go out and play basketball one on ones two and twos three v threes whatever it is at any time and you can hold your court and all that sort of stuff so it's free you go out walk into it play your basketball and you're practicing all the time. Unorganised football. And this is where we need to get to. We need to get to a situation where all our estates, the way they're building houses nowadays is ridiculous. They're not even giving green areas to places, barely getting gardens in places. So kids can't get out and play. Street football, yeah, they say street football. Roads are just so much more busier than they used to be back in the 50s and the 60s. So it's a lot more dangerous. So they need to have the facilities around the area and to have something like little gravel cages where it might be for a three-a-side match or whatever little cage that's you know I don't know 20 by 20 or 30 by 30 yards or whatever it is and you can go in and you can play football against people around the area they should be champion pocketing these around all the estates around Dublin especially because there's less space in Dublin uh, but not even that in around around the country and then you would see footballers we don't have Messi's or you know Ronaldinho's or Zidane's we, we don't have them players we don't we never had a player like that we've never had that superstar people could say turn around and say George Best right George Best Northern Irish I'm talking about Republic of Ireland but George Best would be an example of someone who was so talented at his time that's what you want to try and develop and what we're doing at the moment is we're, we're developing players who are being coached to death and they're able to pass a ball from A to B and, you know, there's no excitement of watching them. And you can see that with the, the Irish football team and the League of Ireland. There's no real exciting players there and now. There's a couple who are decent, and but there's no, there's no class in these teams. Uh, so what are we doing wrong? And I definitely think that on the streets now, we don't have enough football that's uh, unorganised. Just get out play your football and learn. We have what I'd say, Roy, the teams that we produce, and this could be football across the board, we're quicker to produce more athletes than footballers. I think if you're a good athlete, and you obviously have to have this, this some sort of level and capability as a footballer, but if you go into the League of Ireland and you have the athletic side of the game down and you're decent at football, you will make a good career for yourself. And that, that could be part of the way that could go hand in hand um, with how many even times and you brought up the likes of, likes of Messi and Ronaldinho and how many times would you even have watched a documentary 
about some of the best South American talents, and that's where they all talk about the humble beginnings, isn't it? It's out in the street, and they're not necessarily playing with football. It's whatever sort of whatever fighting defiance they just go out and play, and that's where they develop these natural football and skills. Where I think the part of being coached that in this country is you're 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 stunting that. You know, go out and express yourself and enjoy yourself and show your ability. Where we're just do the fundamentals, do the basics, be a good athlete, and you will get a decent career. I think we need players to get away from that situation where a coach tells them not to do something, not to try that. That's the wrong place to do it. At a young age, let them out there, let them make mistakes, and that's where the unorganised football is so key. Um, okay, well, we'll just move on quickly. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, Nathan, because this is something that you could talk about for hours and hours, but you know, for the first three years, they're looking to expand the club mark. So that's a, a kind of a mark and achievement that you have to get to. And eventually all clubs are going to have to get to this club mark where there's certain things expected of you. Uh, you will have to have, you know, certain amount of girls football uh, teams. You will have to have uh, certain, you know, governance in your club. And there's a whole load of these things. And Luke and United, from, for us, we, we are up at the, the highest mark you can get. It's a club two mark. It's the highest you can get. We've got all the boxes ticked. That's great, but ev- they want everyone catching up, and there there will be um, there will be a pressure on them because you won't be able to have a club after a while if you don't have reached these marks. And this is improving standards. They also have an, uh, to improve the league mark, which is the exact same thing for clubs, but for leagues. And leagues need to be held accountable. Now, the uh, improve governance of leagues and then pathways for clubs and players, which we've discussed already. But to improve the governance of the leagues, this is where it's going to get tricky. And I just want to finish on this one, Nathan, because as I said at the start, the FAI might find out that, the and people might find out that the FAI aren't their problem. You are going to have people who are resisting leagues, associations that are going to resist some of the things that the FAI are going to bring in. And there was a question asked, I believe it was by the DDSL, that, you know, who is the governing body in the league? And it was it was a question that wasn't a real question. They were asking, they were provoking, trying to provoke the FAI just into answer. Now, I know they're at loggerheads with the SFAI at times. And, and, and I think the SFAI said they w- will not be you know, governed by anyone. So they're kind of storing a little bit of shit, just wanting to make sure that the FAI will let them know at a room like that, we are, and of course Mark had to turn around and say, listen, we're the governing body of football in Ireland and what have you. And you can see he was getting a little bit tetchy about it and you can see that that's exactly what the uh, the lads from the DDSL were looking for. So already at the end of it, it was all going nice and smoothly, but you could see where this there's going to be loggerheads and we as I said we need people to work together we don't need people working against each other and anyone who's in any of these associations DDSL LSL AUL any of the Munster leagues whatever it is around the country uh, and the SFAI you need to think about the greater good well uh, come here I, I don't want to be jumping on either right um, but hopefully if there is loggerheads and there is negativity towards it this will give certain associations the chance to clear out those that probably need to be cleared off. And not not to just pick on the DDSL, I can just talk in personal experiences and if we dealings with them have been quite negative, I would always associate them with probably an outdated nature where 
this might be an opportunity to clear some of that off. And not just with the DDSL, I'm, I'm sure it is elsewhere. I'm just coming from a personal point of view and personal experience. Okay, Nathan, we're going to move on to the Republic of Ireland and we've got a new sponsor. Yeah, we do. And um, this is something that was being rumoured a little bit, but it seems to be set in stone now that global banker firm Revolut uh, will be announced as a primary sponsor for the uh, Republic of Ireland senior men's national team. Again, what we were four years in the making now without a sponsor. Um, it's something that John, Jonathan Hill has been heavily criticised for ever since he came in the role. He said this was going to be one of his main priorities was to, to get a sponsor sorted, but it's definitely took longer than we thought. But um, yeah, we finally seem to be at the end and Revolut looks set to be announced as the official sponsor of the Republic of Ireland national team. Okay, and Nathan, the Nations League draw was made. It looks really tasty. Yeah, it's always busy week for the FEI and, and the national team. On top of the sponsor, the manager, it's all quiet on that Western front. But the UEFA Nations League draw took place on, I believe, mean, last Thursday in Paris. And Ireland have been drawn into League B Group 2 alongside England, Finland and Greece. So just looking at some of the fixtures that have been announced, we will start a campaign with two home games uh, against England and Greece. Then we'll have back-to-back away games against Finland and Greece in October. Uh, a final home game will be against Finland in the Aviva Stadium on the 14th of November. And then we'll finish up the campaign with a tasty clash away to England, the Wembley Stadium on November the 17th. So look, just looking at these three sides here, Roy, Look, we know what England are about, don't we? Coming into this, this, the, this summer in the European Championships, probably one of the favourites to win the competition. We're looking at a Finland side and a Greece side that Ireland have had recent uh, dealings with, recent experiences with that haven't gone their way um, against either side. But the lowest ranked team in this group. Am I being a bit negative or is, is this a, a difficult draw from an Ireland point of view? Or, I suppose... Could your opinion change when a manager is appointment and we saw and have a clearer vision of the future going forward? Well, I think every draw is a is a tough one for us. I don't think we're going to have any easy ones, Nathan. I think it's I think it's exciting because we we get a chance now to judge ourselves off Greece. So this is a chance now to have we made any progression? We've seen them last time home and away. This is a good chance to gauge where we are now. Finland, we've seen them n- not so f- long ago as well. So can we step up there? I mean, everyone's beating us, really. That's the gauge. Can we not get beaten? And England, it's just that's just this, this spicing up life for us. You know, we, re- we really want those games. We want something to mean something. And in, in the Nations League, this game is so big. It just, it's not, it's definitely going to mean something to us. For the new manager, yeah, it's great. I think it's great for him and it's it's a, a great chance to turn things around. You know, a great opportunity. The job that was being done there previous, that had faded away, that had slowed down and kind of died. Now we have to get someone in and get behind them, no matter who it is, and hopefully now we'll see results change and I'm looking forward to this England game. Well, the England one, which I was looking at, I wasn't born the last time we played England in a competitive game. We, t- we played them in 2020, 2015, 2014, all in friendly. So the last competitive game against England was in 1991, which is, that would be my first time ever seeing a play England at a, at a competitive level. Um, looking at, even at the, the Greece game, 
it was one of our, I think it was a third last game during the, um, the qualifications for the Euros, the US and Greece, right, in the same group. Um, and it was a 2 0 defeat in the Aviva Stadium. I think even at the time we done, I don't know if it was a live show, a live recording, Roy, or we just done a, a podcast, a normal podcast. But I know I thought at the time that that was really a death nail for the Stephen Kenny reign of how poorly we played and how much we were pushed to one side against a Greece team that are really on a similar level in terms of player quality to us and we were just completely outclassed. So, yeah, I think that would be one from my point of view be looking to get back with a new manager comes in and a new background staff, new setup, and it'd be really interesting to see how we got on. But that England game in particular, the two, I, I'm really excited to see us play England in um, in a competitive game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's going to roll, roll around very, very quickly. A few friendlies before that, but it won't be long before that comes around. Listen, Nathan, we're kind of running out of time, and we've got the league coming around the corner. So, Nathan, let's talk football. Let's talk League of Ireland. It starts this Friday. Yeah, my absolutely buzz for this. I have to say, I really, really am excited. Yeah, I suppose when we finish up with a little, uh, a little prediction, how we think the league stands are going to finish for both both divisions. What do you think about that one? Yeah, why not? Shoot. Down. So I'll take the lead in this one. I will. We start off with the fourth division, right? I'll run through my, uh, my prediction of the fourth division, ten to one. Uh, I'll try to keep as brief as possible, and I will tend to go off in a bit of a tangent with these pins. So. Yeah, here we go. Here's my official predictions for the SSE Electricity League fourth division. Probably no surprises. I've gone with Kerry FC to finish tenth. Uh, just behind them, I've gone with Culver Ramblers to finish in ninth, which is um, a serious drop off. They finished toward last season. I just think with Luton, Jack Doherty, Lee Stacey, Michael Rowe, Charlie Lyons, and obviously the manager Shane Keegan, it'll be a much more of a difficult season for them uh, this year. I've gone with Atlanta Town. Uh, finishing eighth. Uh, Treat United for me, I think we'll finish seventh. Again, some decent players there with uh, Ender Curran, Yo Yo Maddy, uh, Colin Conroy, Lee Dever. To be honest, I just really couldn't justify putting them ahead of any of the teams we're going to put, put before them. I don't expect Treaty to do overly bad, but I just can't see them really leapfrogging the six teams I have in front of them. Um, sixth position, I went with Finn Harps. It's going to be the first full season under new manager Darren Murphy. They have a lot of good young players in this team, Roy. Ryan Floyd, Sean O'Donnell, Ryan Rainey, Pat Ferry and Oshin Cooney are really, really exciting prospects. Finn Harps are probably a year off for me if you can keep the core neutrals of their young lads from really pushing on for, for the promotion. But it wouldn't surprise me to see them end up in the playoffs. But for me, I, I think they finished uh, sixth. And just ahead of them sneaking into that, Final playoff place in fifth position for me will be Longford Town. We talked a good bit about Longford last week, so I don't really need to go over it. I just think the failed this this score goals last year, only scored 29 league goals. I just I, I question where they're going to come from again this year. There's only Chris Lyons and Dean George who can't do that, but the record, the goal scoring records are glittering uh, at the minute. So you'd be looking for Chris Lyons to step up and produce some of his older form. Uh, Stephen Henson, great manager too, so if he, he can definitely want to get them on track. Um, in fourth, I went with UCD, and this is pretty much they're always going to be in the mix. He lost a lot of lot of key players last year, uh, sorry in the off season, but you still have there like Keane Moore, Aina Clancy, Daniel Kinsley, Bishop, like Sean Brennan, even there's always just an underlying of competitive of talent ready to go at UCD, so they're always going to be in the mix, but. For me, I had them in fourth. Um, 
Tour place, again, won't spend too much time on this. It's uh, Wexford. Wexford's a side that we talked a lot about in the off-season. I think they're brilliantly ran. They have a great squad of players there and a brilliant manager with James Keddy. They'll be definitely in the fight. So, for the runners-up spot, Roy, I went with Bray Wanderers to finish second. Uh, coming off at this point in seventh place finish in 2023, but I think they've done great business in the off-season, particularly defensively. They look really, really strong. The only thing I would say the whole thing Bray is probably a natural goal scorer, but I think the squad as a whole, especially in the back line, is brilliant. And I went with Cork City, probably no surprise to finish fourth uh, and to win the league. I don't think they win it by a mad canter, the way some people are saying, uh, but they have that full time structure, a good manager under Team Clancy. There's definitely a little bit underlying unrest uh, and fan unrest in particular with, um, with, with the ownership, but I think the squad that they have, they've lost a few, uh, with Rory Keaton uh, departing the club and the likes. Uh, but I think they've done good business in the off-season. And I think now with Galway and Waterford going out of the league, it'd be a little bit of a weaker first division quality, so I can see Cork City uh, coming out as champions. Yeah, I can't really disagree with you on too much. Wexford, we'll see you at Wexford. I do think that you're right. I think they'll be up and around there I do think Longford as we talked about last week will improve uh, Kerry are going to struggle for a, a few years I think but that's not a bad thing they can only aim at doing better than they did in the previous year so there's not much different there and Finn Harps haven't shown enough we, it'll be great to see the start of this uh, first division because there is a few unknowns on how well they have added to their squad but I think you're bang on, Nathan. I can't see Cork City not coming back up. Yeah, you can see why they're the favourites. Um, and look, we'll just jump over now quickly to the Premier Division. Uh, again, I shall keep it as brief as humanly possible. And I will say this with all the confidence of a man that has scribbled out his notes in front of him time and time again. I'm probably not even sure on my own predictions, but I'm going to say them as confidently as I can. And uh, I'm really backing myself on this one. So I'm going to start off in 10th position and I'm going to whisper this into the microphone because my missus might come up and strangle me but I've gone with Sly of Rovers to finish bottom. I don't know if that, that'll be a, a popular choice or everybody's choice but I just think John Russell is under pressure from the off. I'll talk a bit about the other teams around in a second. Serious lack of quality for me going forward. They brought Ed McGinty back to the goalkeeper. Probably for me the best goalkeeper in the league but he's only here till June. He might stay, he might not but yeah, it, it's, it's who knows where that was going to end up. J.R. Wilson and Charlie Wigger, uh, Ellis Chapman are all really good players to bring in, but I just think they're seriously lacking quality and there's already a disgruntlement uh, with the manager, so if they get off to a bad start, it could be a horrendous season for Sligo. In ninth position, and this is something that I, I, I doing forward with this one, I went with Waterford, and for the reason, I think they went with a similar approach that Cork City took ahead of the 2023 season. It's an unexperienced squad. They're really relying on Patrick Gorman to come in and, and, and bolster uh, the goals, the missing goals from Ronan Coughlin, who moved on in the off-season. I think Keith Lawns is an excellent manager, so for me, that's why I didn't have them in 10th position. I think they have a good manager there and a better structure in place than, than Floyd Rovers may have in the management team. So for me, that just edged them to finish in ninth. Uh, then going up to eight, I had Dundalk. We, we talked about the mass exodus that took place there some huge huge losses throughout, uh, throughout that club that it's just going to be really difficult to to replace them 
just they still have a bit of quality there with Ryan O'Kane down to kind of really had to rely on Daryl Hawkins to step up, uh, Archie Davis, Robbie Benson still at the club. So there's definitely some good players that could get them out of a pinch, but you're looking at some of the recruitment, it is a lot of unknowns that are expecting them to come in and hit the ground running. Saying that, I do think Robbie Matten's a good signing from Motherwell, so it'll be interesting who gets on, but um, yeah, I have done Dolphins in eight. In seventh, again, it could have changed a lot of days around, but I went with Galway United. I originally actually had Galway finishing lower. They walked the fourth division, absolutely walked it in 2023, um, and they actually stuck by the majority of that squad that got them there, which can be a little risky in itself. I think a lot of their recruitment has been really underwhelming in the off-season. Uh, but they have a savvy management here with John Caulfield and Ollie Hogan. That was one of the reasons why I, I, I picked them ahead. Like, I think I originally had Galway to finish this bottom, or second bottom, but I, I pushed them up the table and the more I, I sat on it and thought about it. Uh, in sixth, I went with Jotter United. I think Jotter will actually be quite comfortable this season. I could, wouldn't be surprised to see them going as far up as fifth. People think they're finishing bottom. I, I, I think that's absolutely mental. Then just just smart recruitment in the off season. It's a difficult place to go. Uh, you have a really good manager in Kevin Doherty to get the best out of them. So I jotted a finish in sixth. Just ahead of them, I went with Bowers. Um, questionable recruitment for me in the off season again, relying heavily on a lot of unknowns coming in from Estonia uh, and Poland. Strange to see how they get on. I think you could swap Dotted and Bowles out between each other. But again, just looking at the bit of quality that got re-signed with Danny Grant, Dylan Connolly, James Clark, Adam McDonald, Rob Cornwall came back into the club. So for me, that was enough there to, to, to put Bowles in the middle of the pack. I think Shells will finish fourth uh, for the second consecutive season in a row. Just a set of squads that Damien Duff has. He had a little bit of experience with Keith Ward and Sean Gannon. Uh, Liam Board coming in on long Shamrock Rovers could be set for a really big season after disappointing 2023. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's where Shells will finish. I always, I, I, I just kind of break my heart a little bit. I wanted to put them forth, but I obviously couldn't. I went with St. Pat to finish towards. I just think they're a year off um, being serious challengers for the league title. We're coming into the fourth full season under John Daly. They've recruited brilliantly. I'm really happy with recruitment and how quickly they've done it with Rory Keaton, Connor Keeley, Will Brandon and Keane Kavanagh coming in, Aaron Bolger, Marcelo Pitaluga in on loan from Liverpool. Uh, Luke Turner's really exciting player for me coming in from Cliftonville. But the outgoing, they've lost 13 players in the off-season. I, I, I think that's a lot. And a lot of key players in there, you know, with Dean Lyon of Sam Cortis, uh, Adam Murphy gone too. So, yeah, I, I just think it will be a case of Letting John build the squad, keeping a hold of them. Thankfully, a lot of them are on multi-year deals. So I, I, I think if we come back this time next year, I'll hopefully be talking about Pat being real, real contenders. Where he will be in, in the race, but I think the two sides ahead of them are set up to uh, to, to really make it a two-horse race. Um, and that being with in second place, that leaves me on nicely, is Derry City. Um, but the simple fact is, we now have a striker. It's something that they really lacked last year. He hadn't, didn't have anybody in the top 10 goal scoring charts, but Pat Hogan coming in from St. Dock is huge for them. Colin Whedon as well coming back. When Colin is fit and ready to come back from injury, he'd be like a new side and he's just really ready to go. Someone that's been so unlucky with injury through his young career, so he, he'd be like a new signer for them. And look, I wear a Shamrock Rovers. It's the boarding pick, it's the obvious pick. It's a squad shot full of superstars. Every position, you have two or three players that could walk into every other team across the league. So, Look, call me baller, probably, probably predictable, but I think the joy for five is well and truly on for Stephen Bradley's men. Yeah, 
a couple of them there are a little bit controversial. Dundalk as low as they are, Bowes as high as they are, maybe. That, that there probably wouldn't be too much of a difference. I don't see too much with Bowes again this year. Um, Drogheda as well I mean there's a few of them as you said already Nathan with Galway and a few of those they could easily interchange in positions uh, Sligo is a controversial one but we did say that last year that they were on the slide and it showed in the league so there's no reason and no proof to sort of prove otherwise that they, they can't slip that far down um, Waterford listen it's again easily could slip into that third from bottom slot they're a decent outfit but when I look up at the top half Shells have done decent enough business but they, I, I don't think they're much stronger than, than they were they had a good season last year if they can turn them draws into wins then all of a sudden there's different questions being asked uh, I wouldn't rule them out I think that there's something there but um, yeah you might be right on that one St. Pat's I was disappointed with St. Pat's the other night and when I watched that game it gave me it gave me little hope for them this year. I just thought they were they were soft, they were poor, they they there was no drive in them and it's an opening game against Shamrock Rovers. You'd think that they they really would be going at them and I, I was disappointed with them. I, I, I hope it's just that once off it's a a pre-season friendly and that when the game the league kicks off that there's going to be it's just for a stronger opposition to Shamrock Rovers not that I don't want Shamrock Rovers to win the league or not it doesn't really bother me either way but you want the league to go all the way down to the wire and to be exciting uh, Derry City will I think will be closer to Shamrock Rovers this year and I think if anyone gets any consistency at all they could challenge if not win that league uh, Shamrock Rovers are still efficient though you know like they I was I was when I looked at them the other night I was looking at them differently than I seen them last year I thought they were little I wouldn't say one dimensional that would be harsh but I didn't think they were as good as they had been in previous seasons there was a little glimmer of that the other night that they were getting back to their best so for anyone to win the league they're going to have to play really really well I'm not so sure on that going that our St. Pat's uh, will be close at all come to the end of the season. Yeah, look, it was obviously a disappointing out on Friday. Uh, I wouldn't look too much into it, but yeah, going in full of optimism, you're like, put, put, draw first put, put your statement marker down nice and early from Pat's point of view. But um, yeah, the, I thought Robs were brilliant. Uh, really implemented a high press way on a Friday night. It actually brought Pat's into basic long balls and really took over the key of the game. I thought Rob was excellent as well. On the second ball, showed plenty of aggression, implemented the full-backs really well too. But not only that, you're looking at the players that weren't in that match day squad. You know, Jack Bourne, Pico, Johnny Kenny, Aaron McInerney and Richie Towell weren't even involved on the bench even on Friday night. So that's a serious amount of quality to, to be injected in, into that team. So, yeah, I, I just don't think they've done Smart business in the off season didn't have to make wholesale changes, but you brought a lot of players back in, some on loan, some on permanent deals. Um, do you know what I'd probably go as far as saying it, it, it's the strongest side that Stephen Bradley has at his disposal in his entire tenure as Shamrock Rovers manager? It's, it's hard to look past him, it really is. Even just not from past point of view, we're just talking a league point of view. It's, it's not uh, in it, you know, trudging and it's, it's interesting, but. The likes of Pat and Derry, if they are going to put on a serious title charge, they need to jump when the chance is afforded to them. Far too many times, 
both sides had had opportunities to put pressure on Shamrock Rovers and, and, and close the point gap and just just didn't deal with it. Just lost silly games or drew silly games. So they need to be on the heels of this entire season if they have any chance. Yeah, they need to be ruthless and that's simple. They cannot. They, they got a head start in them and let it slip and then let them drift away from them. Uh, so really it was a poor season from them last year and they had their opportunity. Uh, they needed consistency this year. So, OK, listen, we're going to leave it there, Nathan. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks very much uh, for you for listening. Um, it's great the feedback that we're getting from you. Um, do send in questions. Do send in topics. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week.